0: Good morning again. Well, we are going to do a couple of things uh, today. Uh, first of all, we're starting a new series. It's an old series. We're continuing on uh, in our study in First Corinthians. But it's new in the sense uh, that over the next uh, five weeks, the mini-series within First Corinthians is titled The Power of Example. The Power of Example. And the second thing we're doing is looking at membership. membership. This is our Membership Sunday, uh, a time where we unpack who we are as a church at Denison Baptist. So, we begin our time in God's Word today in First Corinthians, and based upon what we're looking at, uh, this results in us talking about membership. It's a natural flow into uh, a conversation about membership. Um, as we think of this title, The Power of Example, uh, I want us to recognise that example is such an important part of the Christian life. Uh, and more important than anything else, when we think about this idea of example, um, is this idea of Christ as our example. Christ is our perfect, our perfect example. Uh, and what we will see over the next five weeks is Paul calling the Corinthian church to be a good example in five ways. These five ways are in light of the saving and empowering work of Christ within their lives and within our lives. Uh, Paul calls the Corinthians to be an example through mission, through watching his own life, by following a particular regulation for that church, through communion, with the breaking of bread and today we're thinking about how Paul calls the Christians in that context to be a good example by living a life of worship, living a life of worship and I love how Paul doesn't just tell them to go and worship God, he gives them a very practical outline of what this looks like. Now November was the last time we were in First Corinthians and our three week series back then was titled How to Fight Sin, that seems like ages ago to me, I don't know about you, um, if you have a good memory, you'll know that our last message was from First Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 14 to 30. And we're thinking about fighting sin through the letting go of idolatry within our lives. And we defined idolatry in this way, taken from Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods. He says this, idolatry is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. And Paul in this passage was warning the church in Corinth about one particular idol within their context. Or rather, he was warning the believers in Corinth about the practices surrounding this particular idol. And in doing this, he also presented them with the dangers of idolatry in general. He wants them to see that idolatry can be anything. It's not just a a statue or a representation of a God. It can be anything within our hearts. For Paul, an idol was, as Keller says, anything that absorbs our heart, an imagination more than God himself. Idolatry in Corinth would result in meat sacrificed within the temple. The meat would be offered up to another god, and the leftover meat would then go to the local butcher or eatery. Paul is saying here that it's okay to eat this meat. There's no magic power. There's no curse over the meat which might cause you to then uh, sin or be cursed or to fail spiritually in some way. We're free to eat whatever is put in front of us. But then Paul also says at the same time that it's not okay to eat this meat if it might cause another brother or sister in Christ to stumble, to fall into sin. In effect, Paul is saying here, do what results in you loving God and loving people the most. Carry a love for God and a love for people with all that you are within your hearts in every waking moment of your life. Have the freedom to live for God, but make sure your freedom does not impinge on somebody else's freedom. This applies to food and drink, but it applies to anything where there's perhaps a discussion or a debate around whether doing or not doing something is right or wrong. And this brings us onto our passage today. It's not a passage, it's just a verse. We're going to focus on one verse this morning. It's the next verse following on from this passage, 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one. We read these words. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Let me just say that again. So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word uh, today. Now, you can understand why Paul says this in light of what we've just mentioned about in the previous passage. He begins by speaking about eating and drinking for the glory of God, because this is the context. He's coming from, from it at this particular point in the letter. But then he goes bird's eye view and he says that it's not just about eating and drinking for the glory of God. It's anything and everything within our lives, big and small, visible, invisible. Our lives should be characterized by glorifying God in every waking moment. He basically says all that you do, do it all for God's glory, not your own glory, not anybody else's glory, not for anything else's glory. So glory, glory. It's not a word we use a lot today. It's not a phrase we use that much today, the glory of something or the glory of somebody. What does this, glo- what does this word glory mean? Well, when we understand this word, we get to the heart of all that Paul is getting at here within this verse. Um, when we give glory to something, we honour something, we value it, we cherish it. The call here is to honour, to value, to cherish God. This is what it means to glorify God, to honour, to value, to cherish him. But the issue we all have is that the seating capacity within our heart is one. There's a single throne. And there's a battle going on every single day within our hearts for who's going to sit in that throne. The truth is, if we're honouring, valuing and cherishing, cherishing something other than God, we're not honouring, valuing and cherishing God himself. Look at the very first commandment. Of all the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, the first one, the most important one is this. You shall have no other gods before me. And God says through the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 45 and verse 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God but me. God wants us to see that any attempt by us to create an an alternative God other than worship of the true and living God will not only be a waste of time, but it also leads to spiritual death and not spiritual life. Another way of putting what Paul was saying here in this verse is that as believers, we're called to carry a God-consciousness in our hearts so that everything in our lives is characterised by elevating and enjoying God more than we elevate and enjoy anything else within this world. We actually find a similar verse in another letter of Paul's in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Paul says, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul is saying here, be aware of God in your every moment and enjoy him. Actually enjoy God. This is commanded by God towards us. We're called to enjoy God in every moment. Thank God the Father through Christ in all that you do. So I wonder where we're at when it comes to living out this verse of glorifying God with all that we do. You know, we often think that our faith and something else we greatly value can simultaneously sit side saddle in that single chair, that throne within our hearts. And yet look at what God says again through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 42 and verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give glory to another or my praise to idols. Only God deserves this position within our hearts and no one or nothing else. To give glory to God is to simultaneously not give glory to anything else within our lives. And this is a perfect antidote to sin, for sin by the way, giving glory to God. Because if all that we do is for God's glory and in the name of Jesus, then it's utterly impossible to sin. That single throne in our hearts has already been occupied and no idol, no sin can occupy This is good news for every single one of us today. This is like a doctor telling us why we're not well and how it is we can get better. So praise God for his spirit-empowered, convicting word uh, today. And remember also from this verse that Paul says, whatever you do, and he re-emphasises that by saying everything. We glorify God in whatever we do. We glorify God in our everything. Don't you just love the ordinary nature of a Christian life? And I mean that in a really positive sense. We get to live for Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. We worship Jesus, we glorify him with our eating and our drinking, with our our laughing and our playing, with our working and our resting, with our talking and our listening, with our seeing and not seeing, with our thinking and our reflecting, with our going out and staying in, with our absolutely everything. Every single moment of your life is an opportunity to glorify God. Every single moment of your life is an opportunity to glorify God in his name. I'm not saying, do you do that all the time? Because none of us are able to do this perfectly. What I'm saying is, are you aware of this? Are you aware that this is God's call upon your life? And all the days that God gives you. Don't you just love the fact that giving glory to God... It's not just at a certain time. It's not just in a certain place. It's it's not exclusively around doing certain things. As Paul says within this verse, it's everything of who we are. It's whatever we do in our lives that's free from sin. And I mention this because religion can so often be this compartmentalization of faith. We're religious at a particular time and in a particular place and around a particular practice. And what so often happens is but we're a different person during the rest of the week. But God is utterly passionate about your integrity. As we examined last week, who we are in public has to be who we are in private. And that becomes a life that glorifies God. There's this consistency between our private and public life. That's what integrity means. You know, what a daily challenge that is for myself. You know I hope and pray that my entire life in ministry, that Pauline and James, as well as an outsider can say the same thing about me, that I love Jesus wholeheartedly. Wednesday afternoon, I met with five pastors from across the UK in Zoom. um, And starting in February, we're meeting once a month and we're going through what is a book that has now become a video study by Paul Tripp entitled Dangerous Calling. The premise of this study is that as pastors, we would be men of integrity. There would be a consistency between our private and public life. And it would be a healthy consistency we will be men who glorify God at home, as well as men who glorify God in the pulpit and public ministry. And I so appreciate these guys. We are at a similar point in ministry, church planting, similar theology, same sense of humour. And it was so helpful on Wednesday to share together and to have that level of accountability with other brothers in Christ. And I know that for all six of us, this will be such a helpful study as we talk open, openly and honestly about the blessings and the challenges of being a pastor, particularly in the context of a church plant. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing so many pastors and church leaders fall because they have zero accountability, because they chose not to glorify God in all that they did, because there was this inconsistency between their private and their public life. But don't think this is a message just for pastors or ministry leaders. This is a message For every single one of us. I know that because of what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and in verse 2. Paul says to the church of God at Corinth. To the church of God at Corinth. Paul's writing to the entire church here. Every word in this letter is for every single believer in Corinth. And I know this because of 2 Timothy 3 in verses 16 to 17 where we read. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God and the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul's words are for every single one of us today. We have just as much a responsibility to take heed of Paul's words as the Corinthians did, to be men and women with consistent private and public lives out of a desire to glorify God with all that we are. So let me encourage you to mirror 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. To be a man, to be a woman of integrity by glorifying God in all that you are and in all that you do. Whatever you do and in every area of your life, honour him, value him, treasure him more than anyone or anything else. There is no other way to live that will bring wholeness, completeness, peace and joy. Let me just be very clear about that. There is absolutely no other way to live that will bring you wholeness, completeness, peace and joy. And it's all for God's glory. It's not for your glory. Jesus actually says the same thing in a very different way in Mark 12 and in verse 30. He says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And in verse 31 he says, The second greatest command is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. In effect, Christ and the Apostle Paul are saying, because God has given his all to you, you in turn give your all to him. Not as a means of earning his grace, but instead as a way of saying thank you for his grace. I could rhyme off so many passages in the New Testament essentially echo the same idea of 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and Mark 12, 30 to 31. And this idea really gets to the heart of who we are and who we strive to be as a church family at Denison. You know, my prayer for DVC is that we would be a people who jump out of the New Testament, that there would be this spirit-empowered consistency between the words of this book and the example of our lives. So that when people see you in all the different contexts they find you in, they see Christ in you. So that when they connect online and when they one day, God willing, hopefully gather together in person as a church family, they would see Christ in us, worshiping Jesus with all that we are. What would it look like for Denison Baptist Church to be the most accurate picture of Jesus it could possibly be? Well, I hope, I hope that an an important step towards being a Christ-like example is through our membership covenant. Our membership covenant simply outlines in a very clear way our values and our vision as a church our values what it is that we see as being most important and our vision who we strive to be each and every day that god gives to us now before we look at the values and vision of our membership covenant it's maybe helpful for us just to take a step back and to ask three questions what actually is a membership covenant what is its purpose How important is a membership covenant? What is a membership covenant? What is its purpose? How important is it? You may have heard us talk about membership before. You may have heard about this idea of membership within a local church. Having grown up in a couple of different churches, my initial understanding of membership was it was something you signed after you were baptised and it might have even given you a vote if there was something important happening within the life of the church. Something had to be decided, you had a chance to vote because you're a member. And that's really about it. Apart from that, I didn't really have any idea of what membership was all about. Now let me caveat this. I'm aware of that that's how I understood membership, but it may have been down to my own skewed interpretation of membership growing up and not how membership was being promoted within the local church. What I would say is that many churches, particularly in the west of Scotland, have this minimalistic attitude towards membership to the detriment of the spiritual health of churches. Basically, you get dunked, you sign a piece of paper and then you vote. And apart from turning up on a Sunday, and so often you don't even need to turn up on a Sunday, that has been the extent of membership within church life. But you know, perhaps so many of our churches have struggled and still struggle to survive in this context today because membership has been done casually or membership has even been done unbiblically, or there hasn't been any kind of membership at all within the life of the church. No recognition of a need for an agreed commitment together. Now I don't want to stand here and say that DBC has all the answers when it comes to membership. All I can say is we want to be the most accurate picture of the Book of Acts that we can possibly be in the power that God gives to us. We see membership as biblical. Through membership, we're clarifying who we are as a church and who we strive to be, also known as our vision and values. So later on today or tomorrow, we're going to send you our our membership covenant by email. And for those who don't do email, we can send it by post. And within that, there's going to be a link or a card with an envelope where having read our vision and values, you have the opportunity to respond. If you agree with our vision and values, you can sign and send that. If you don't agree, you can just leave it. Now, you you might hear me say all of this and say, you know, why is signing a piece of paper really that important? Um, The reality is that it's only as important as the words that are on that piece of paper. And it's only as important as to how much you agree and choose to live by these words. Our membership covenant is covered in scripture, as we'll see in a moment. So to agree or disagree with what's on these two pages is to agree or disagree with God's word. And we're not saying that our membership covenant is the word of God. What we are saying is that this really acts as an arrow that points us towards scripture and towards who God calls us to be. So if I was to describe what we're hopefully going to do today in one word, it would be this. Agreement. Agreement. That's it. If we so wish, we're agreeing about who we are and we're agreeing about who we strive to be. As we choose to join the church family of Denison Baptist Church in 2021. And just like all the parts of my body, although all very different, exist for one purpose, to keep Mark Morris alive. All of the parts of the body of Christ, although we are all very different, and we are all very different, exist in order that we might fulfill 1 Corinthians 10.31. In order that we might fulfill this command to glorify God both individually and collectively through our lives. And note as well that it's a membership covenant. It's a membership covenant. We're bringing God into the equation here. In fact, he is at the very heart of what we're doing here. The word covenant simply means a spiritual agreement between us and God. We're agreeing with God because we're choosing to live by his word and the power of his spirit. And we renew this membership covenant on a regular basis, once a year. Because as has so often been said, vision leaks. We need this regular reminder of who we are in Christ and who we are together as a church family. You know, my prayer is that this membership covenant would drive you deeper into God's Word. The more you study it, the more you would turn to Scripture. It wouldn't just end with the membership covenant. It would end with you spending time studying and meditating on God's Word. And that can only be a good thing, to be more and more connected with the Word of God. So what we're doing this morning is basically the biggest membership class we have ever done in the history of Denison Baptist Church and it's definitely the biggest because so many people are watching online. What we're doing this morning is really taking our time to go through this membership document and we'll also jump out of this document and into scripture and look together at passages that that it points us towards. That's the way it should be, is it not? If it wasn't a document full of the word of God then it would be a total waste of time. So let's take some time to look at all of this together. The first part of our membership covenant is our core values. Our core values. Now our core values are what are most important to us in light of our identity in Christ as new creations. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. And also as children of God, John chapter 1 verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. And also followers of Jesus, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So that's really the essence of our core values. Let's look at the first core value. Number one. Love God, love God. We are a great commandment people. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. We love God because he first loved us. 1 John 4 and verses 19 through to 21. We read these words from John. We love because he first loved us. We're just echoing what this passage says. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, He is a liar, for the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. This is all of who we are, loving God, and all of what we say, do, think, and decide. And this is taken from Psalm 42, and in verses 1-2. to As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I first for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? And this is a key point for us. Love God is at the heart of every other value. To love all the other values, we need to fulfill this first one, to love God. Number two, love people. Love people. Loving our neighbour means loving each and every person we come across. Because we are all image bearers of God. Mark 12, 31, which is what we just read. The second is love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. This love is both costly, is both costly and generous, because Jesus in his love gave up so much and gave us so much. First Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. That's the second value. And the third value is we are a people who love the gospel. And the gospel is Jesus Christ. His life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension and anticipated return. And one of the most important passages around the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15 and in verses 1 to 11 where we read these words. Paul says, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you, which you received on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold to the message I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to over five hundred brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whoever then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. This is the gospel. This is what Paul communicates about the importance of the gospel, what Christ has done for us, and how that can change our lives. And it continues with his value. It is a truth of who God is and all that he has done for us applied to our sinful lives through personal repentance. We have a responsibility to respond to this. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And then value number four. I recognise we're looking at a lot of different scriptures here, but it's just so important for us to study these and to examine them and to see the importance we've placed um, upon each of these values and to connect them to the word of God. So number three, love the gospel. Number four, love the Bible. Love the Bible. We love the Bible because we believe that it is the inerrant, infallible word of God absolutely essential for our life. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The Bible is our final authority, transforming who we are. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of a heart so that we might serve him, with greater faithfulness and fruitfulness. And there's that passage again, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, value number four, we love the Bible. As God's people at Denison Baptist, we love the Bible. Value number five, we love the church. The church is not a building. It is the gathering of God's people, made up of many parts, and a powerful picture of Christ to the world. First Corinthians 12. And in verse 12 of this chapter, Paul says, For just as a body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given one spirit's drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honourable, we clothe these with greater honour. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So important. We're all part of this body. We're all members of this body called the church. We all have equal value. If one of us suffers, we all suffer. If one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. We love the church through a passionate commitment to it. Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, and Acts 4, 32 to 37. And I love these passages. Read these words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common, They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And then in verse 32 of chapter 4, Luke writes, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead they held everything in common. With great power the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needed person among them. Because all those who owned lands or houses sold them. Brought the proceeds of what was sold. And laid them at the apostles feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph a Levite from Cyprus by birth. The one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And we also love the church by regularly meeting together. Hebrews 10 and verses 24 to 25. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. We love the church also in using all of our gifts for the glory of God. First Peter 4 and in verse 10. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. So we see here from these verses, if we love God, then we're called to this passionate commitment to Christ through the church. Value number six. We love the mission. We love the mission. Our mission is about local, national, and global disciple-making. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 16 to 20, Jesus says these words, The eleven disciples travelled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We love the mission, meaning we are all about disciples who make disciples and churches that plant churches throughout our city, nation and world. This is what we are striving to do. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful in the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace who brings, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. As we make disciples, as we plant churches, we are declaring, your God reigns, our God reigns. He reigns over all, and he has a plan and purpose for our lives. We believe that all of this is only ever possible as we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a promise. We will be his witness when we receive his power. Value number seven, the final value. We love the future. We love the future. We are deeply encouraged by the truth that this life is not the end. God has prepared a place for us in eternity. A new heaven and a new earth. John chapter 14 and verses 1 to 3. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. I would have told you, I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. We love the future, because we will be with Jesus, enjoying him forever to the glory of his name. And this compels us to be the people He calls us to be in the present. 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verses 3 to 9, Peter says these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So there's there's a lot there in terms of scripture, but there's so much content for us to look at to study beyond our time today, and for us to prayerfully consider the values of the church, the seven values. Uh, We are a people um, who are called to live in this way. And then the final part is is the vision, our daily our daily vision. uh, We envision three areas that are absolutely essential to a daily vision of following Jesus. Uh, Word-centred, the final authority of God's word at the heart of our everything. Prayer-fueled, a daily reliance on God through biblical, faith-filled, specific prayer. And spirit-filled, a keep-on-being-filled life in the spirit, earnest for the gifts, displaying fruits. And then the final part is just simply a, a response that we can make I recognise and agree with the values and vision of our membership covenant. And my goal is to live these out in the power that God provides. So in light of all that we just looked at there, and I recognise there's there's a lot in that, I believe there are three ways that you can respond to the values and vision of our membership covenant. Um, Number one, you can fundamentally disagree or significantly disagree with this covenant. What we see as most important within the life of the church and I said this last year, it's so important that I will say it again. If that's you, then in love and humility, this is not the church for you. And if you fundamentally or you significantly disagree with who we are and who we strive to be, it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be really awkward for you if you were to turn up here on a Sunday. We talk about having the most awkward of Sunday mornings. And it would be emotionally draining for you to be a part of this church if you fundamentally disagreed with who we are as a church family. Um, that's not me saying that if you're trying to work things out and, and asking lots of questions, we welcome folk who come along and who connect with us, who are still not too sure where we are at, but who want to ask questions and want to understand more of what the Christian faith is about. You're welcome, if that's you. But if you, if you know very clearly that this is not who you are, then it's going to be really difficult for you to connect with what we do within the life of the church. If that is you and you still have some questions, then do contact us after the service. You can contact us in info at info um, and we would count it a privilege just to help you as, you're as you journey journeying, as you try to discern who we are and who God is calling you to be. We would love to sit down with you to hear what you have to say and to see if we can find some kind of common ground. So that's the first point. Uh, The second response might be this. You might agree with who we are and who we strive to be, our vision and values, but you might have questions about our membership covenant. Let me just say as elders, myself, TJ and Paul, um, if you have any questions, we would honestly love to hear those questions. There is no point in you carrying these questions in your heart and not asking them. It's so important that you ask. We are open and receptive to any question you might have, just for your own peace of mind, first and foremost. It's so healthy for you to ask those questions rather than have them bottled up. Ask those questions. We will reply, I promise, and hopefully this will make some progress within your life. And the third response might be this. You may fully agree with our membership covenant. You may have signed this before. You may have just heard of this for the first time. Um, you might wholeheartedly concur with who we are within the life of DBC. DBC. If that's you, then whoever you are, let me invite you to commit to our values and vision as a church by including your name at the end of this DBC membership covenant. By putting your name there, you're saying, I'm a part of this. I'm all in. This is who I am as a believer in Christ. And this is the church I want to be a part of. And this covenant act really acts as a prayer for every single one of us. You're asking God, because it's impossible without God, you're asking God that these words... And these passages would be a reflection of your life in 2021. No matter what it is that you might face within this year, whether it's seasons of blessing or seasons of hardship. This is who we are as a church. This is what we see as most important. This is who we strive to be. My hope and prayer is that you become a member of Denison Baptist Church. And it would be out of a a love for God and a love for all the the other values that we see. So let's pray together uh, as we respond to all that we've heard. Let's pray. So Father, we we thank you for this time. We recognise, Lord, that there's there's a lot for us to unpack. And Lord, I pray that we would find a moment in this week to to really uh, take time to understand what it is you're saying to us. As we spend time studying your word and as we spend time looking at this membership covenant, I pray that you would speak to us and I pray that you would guide us. Lord, we pray that you would direct our path. And Lord, we pray that we would be a church that is passionate for you, that truly is um, empowered in every possible way, in every situation and moment. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in all that we do with all that we are. We ask this in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Uh, As I said we will send an electronic copy of this document. Um, if you want a paper copy, then do let me know and we can send that out in the post this week. we we'll also send you a link electronically to sign this document online. And again, if you want to sign us on paper, uh, do let us know. If you think that we don't have your email address and you want to contact us, then do send an email to info or you can contact us on social media. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited at all that God is doing within the life of the church. May God bless us in 2021. Thanks.